You are now listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast, your one-stop source for frank and honest information about the hot wife and cuckold lifestyles. You can find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio, or you can head to www.keysandanklets.com and subscribe right from the website. Now, let's get to the good stuff with the host who separates fact from fiction, Michael C. All right, everyone, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Keys and Anklets podcast. I'm again, once again, I'm your host, Michael C. And today is a first for me. I've been really wanting to interview another bull on the show. And uh, recently I came across somebody that I felt would make a really good uh, first guest. Uh, my man, Pagan, P for short. I actually met him through hot wife Erica, who I interviewed in episode six. He's actually one of her bulls. So that's how he and I got connected. And, you know, we talked, we hit it off. And I was like, okay, this is the kind of cat that I need to have, you know, on my show. So without any further ado, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, P? What's going on, everybody? This is Pagan. And I'm very happy to be here, man. I'm good to have a forum like this where we can talk about what's real absolutely absolutely and listen my man you know he's out on the west coast and in la la land you know and everything doing it up doing it big out there on the west coast so (laughs) let's go ahead let's go ahead and jump let's go ahead and jump right into it so first thing i want to know is like okay how long have you been in the lifestyle um i've been in the lifestyle for um probably about 12 years or so. Um, I uh, I was raised, like, really religious, which is not going to come to as a shock to a lot of people because, you know, they'll, you know, joke about the Catholic schoolgirls are right, the craziest right. ones, you know. So that, you know, that happens when you suppress people and keep them in a box. As soon as they get a chance, they burst out. So I was raised in that environment, and I came – um, I was aware of the lifestyle, and then I got married really young because, again, religion. Now, and if, then, if um, I remember correctly, you you were, P, you were you were a PK, right? Yeah, I was a I was a preacher's kid, and then when I was 16 years old, I started preaching myself. So I was following in my dad's footsteps. So I was already in front of congregations, sometimes thousands of people at conventions, and I was like a teenager. Um, so, yeah, I was deep into it. I wasn't just, like, on the fringe of it because my religion was like that. Like, you either did it or you, you get out, you know? Um, so, yeah, that that was my upbringing. It's the whole world for me. All my friends were that, you know, everyone I hung out with. You know, you weren't, you weren't really a part of the outside world that much. I mean, I went to public school. I wasn't Amish. But, you know, <laughs> it was it was just like you – you do things inside the religion and you keep shit pure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so anyway, that that was like the you know a good portion of my life, and then I got married because I was already pretty sexual, and and my religion is like, well, if you want, if you want to be sexual, you got to get married. So I was like, well, I guess that's happening. And as you can imagine, that's not a good reason to get married. Nah. So that didn't work out so well, but it wasn't like something was wrong with her or whatever it wasn't infidelity like i didn't cheat on her but i knew i was probably ending up going to at some point so we ended the the marriage because we just got married too young it wasn't the right match and then right after that is when i started to explore the lifestyle 
So, like, what was your first experience in the lifestyle? Like, you know, as far as like, I, I don't like, I don't really consider messing with white girls to be the lifestyle. Like, that just happens. You know what I'm saying? Right. But as far as like dealing with a married woman and her husband being aware of it and being knowledgeable of it, like, when did that first happen? Like, how was that experience for you? The first thing I came across was this woman that was like visiting my hometown and she had like an amateur um, interracial porn site. And this was, again, this was a while ago. This isn't like today where it was like Twitter and all that. This right. was like, you know, old school when you put a tape in inside the camera. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago, but things have moved really quickly. So anyway, she was in my hometown and I found out about this thing on some website. I'm not even sure what it was at the time. And then I go there and she's filming it and she's got like, you know, it's one of those situations where you walk in a room and there's like, you know, 10, 12 guys standing around waiting for one woman. And that's all I knew at the time. I'm like, Oh, so this is what this is, I guess, you know, cause you don't know any better. And, um, I had that experience of being in that group with her, amateur you know um website that was at the time the first thing that i saw and the only thing i knew and then from there i started to progress and learn like oh this isn't the only thing there's there's other aspects to this and you can make it your own now during that first experience were you like immediately comfortable with it or did it like did it throw you off a little bit like that was it weird having her husband was her husband there well, you know, you know, <laughs> we don't see ourselves as others see us. My perception of myself, <laughs> I don't know, I would look for the outside, but I don't think I was, well, I, I, I know I wasn't overwhelmed. Like, I, it wasn't a thing where, like, man, I don't know, should I stay or whatever. I was just like, no, this is cool. It's, it's unique and different and new, especially from my background. You know, I wasn't anywhere near it, but I, I kind of just, felt like yeah this is cool this is kind of where i want to be and that that sexual aspect of me that's just i think in my dna it's chemical it's, it's just who i am i think that was allowed to shine through and that's what kept me from freaking out for lack of a better word so it just felt natural to you from the word go like okay this is like i can fuck with this like this is cool for me yeah i i mean i'm not saying that in like a bragging way but I no no be, be real man yeah, be real it was, it was, you know, it, it felt like, oh, this is like a glove. And again, it wasn't the perfect situation for me. It's not what I end up doing. Um, you know, like what I do now, I'm never in a room with 12 guys, yeah. you know, but, um, but for an entryway into just opening my mind, you know, it was that, you know, big moment where, you know, Tilda Swinton touches Dr. Strange's head and the whole universe opens up. It was like, you know, I, I realized, oh, so there are people out there that do what they want to do when it comes to sex. And I think that was my big takeaway. And then the second thought was, this is what I want to do, too. And so it was, it was pretty much it was it was on and popping from from the, from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I. I, I didn't, I, I probably knew also pretty soon after that, I think I did stuff like that a couple of times, but then I quickly started, you know, moving to like parties, um, house parties and things that were more 
more women um, attending the ratio of men to women, you know. Right. Um, and so then I, I went to parties after I went to a few parties. And you got to realize, I've been, I'm on the West Coast now. You got places like, you know, Miami or, you know, New York City or Los Angeles area. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of, frankly, people that take better care of themselves. Right. So I was not in one of these areas. I was more like, you know, America, like yeah. the rest of America. Like just and regular so, people. <laughs> exactly. And so um, I quickly realized that a lot of times um, I would go to these parties and there'll be a few hot people there, but then there's a bunch of people that I wouldn't want to see with their clothes on, to be honest. Yeah. So um, I started to realize pretty quickly, okay, um, you and I have talked about this before, that movie Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Absolutely. Um, so I started to realize I need to just start talking to the people that I think are super cool or super hot and let them know that, you know, I'm creating something for us um, that, you know, might be a little, you know, less democratic and a little more selective. And, you know, just not that you create clicks and exclude people, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with, like, populating your party with the people that you think other people like you would like. So I started on that track relatively soon after I went to a few house parties. I started, for lack of a better word, poaching people <laughs> and bringing them into my thing. Um, and that's when I really started to hit my stride because, as you can imagine, I'm now surrounded by all the people that I want to be around. Yeah, it definitely, no, it definitely makes a difference. I mean, that's pretty much the same way I, you know, I got started doing my parties was you, you kind of cherry pick. You know, you pick and choose. Mm -hmm. Okay, you fit what I'm looking for. You fit what I'm looking for. You fit what I'm looking for. And then you bring them all in. And like you say, before you know it, you're just surrounded by a bunch of like-minded people that get down the way you want to get down, as opposed to having to conform with the way other people want to do their parties. Exactly. And I think what's also important is just a slight sidebar to that. You and I both came up going to parties and saying, hey, I'm going to invite these people to my party. So you know, the host of that party could be like, oh, you're, you're taking the people from my party if he wants to have that attitude. But once you and I create our own parties and someone says like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this thing over here and I'm going to add this guest and that guest that you and I have, we have to remember where we came from and what we did in the beginning and not get angry about that. Yeah, no, know, I, like, I, I deal yeah. with that shit a lot out here. I mean, you get people that are really possessive about their yeah. guests, you know, and my thing has always been like, I don't want anybody treating, you know, treating me like that, you know, like, yeah. you know, trying to make me feel bad because I want to go to somebody else's party. So I've always been really cognizant of not making people feel like that. You know what I mean? Like my thing has always been, I don't care if you want to go to another party on the same night as mine in the same hotel, like that's your right. Mm -hmm. Like you free mm -hmm. to go wherever you want. I'm just thankful that you came to one of my parties. You know exactly. I mean? And that or, sounds like, that sounds like gratitude to me. Yeah, that sounds absolutely. Like a good place to come from. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, in, and also, it, people that get angry about this stuff, it, it shows me a lack of understanding that these people do not belong to you. Yeah, they're not cattle. You know, like, yeah. So, you know, you don't get it if you think that you can like control it. No, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. from the from the time that you got into it to right now. Have you ever had a period of time where you just said, okay, I'm going to step away from it? Or have you just pretty much just, you know, been into it? I guess what I'm saying is, have you ever tried to go back to being vanilla since you've been into it? Or have you been like, 
lifestyle for some, since you started? You know, it's funny because, like, in terms of, like, experience relationship-wise, because of my background, um, I had the thing where I was married, and then I come out of that, and I'm starting to explore the lifestyle. But then within a few months, maybe about, you know, maybe about a year, um, I met someone that I really liked, but my my mental paradigm was still in traditional relationships. So, you know, I read this article once that talked about the first cars, and people called them horseless carriages because they had no concept of the automobile. Right. So what they did was they took the concept that they understood, and they removed the horse. <laughs> so I was... I was still thinking old school, what I've been raised in, it's my, it's my programming. And so when I meet this new person, instead of thinking, okay, I know that I like the lifestyle, let me introduce that idea to her. And if she doesn't like that, that's, she's not for me. And that's okay. I didn't do that. I, I said, oh, I met this person. I really like her. Let me try to go back to the vanilla thing. And that, because she was, an amazing person and, and, and is basically a, a muse for me. Like she has elevated my life in so many ways. I thought that's, that's a meager sacrifice to me, but it was frankly too much for me. I'm not built that way. Once I got a taste, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I, it was no going back. So I had to work through that with her and work through getting to the point where I can be honest with her and say like, listen, I know that we started off and I said I was going to try this and, that was completely the truth at the time as I saw it. But now I'm realizing that's not going to work for me. So if you bounce, I understand because you didn't sign up for this thing that I'm telling you about now. Um, But I had to have that conversation with her. And luckily for me, she was cool about it. Um, Even though she didn't want to explore it to the extent that I did, she did open up some and like, well, if my, if my man is doing this, maybe I'll try a little, so she she did her thing, and I allowed her, I had to allow her to do her thing, but at the same time she wasn't exactly like me, and it's playing the same dynamics as me. So it was a really a, a act of love to be like, hey, I'm gonna let you be you, and you let me be me, but we are still together. So it was it was cool. It, it worked out really well. No doubt, I feel you on that. So as far as 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 the lifestyle goes, like like. What keeps you involved? Like, what is it that you enjoy the most about the lifestyle? You know what I'm saying? Wow. Um, in terms of the most, I'm not sure what the thing is that's the most, but I can list a few of the things. Like, first of all, there's the there's the whole aspect of, like, I got a secret. Like, you see me at work, and you, you hear this from a lot of women in the hot wife lifestyle. Right. You know, I'm... I'm at the supermarket. I'm at the PTA meeting. You don't know what's going on. You don't know that I'm wearing this tattoo or whatever, you know. Um, that that I like. Um, I don't want everybody to be doing what we do because then I think it would lose some of the magic. I think I like the fact that everybody isn't into it. Um, so there's that. There's also just, like, the excitement of meeting new people. And I kind of, you know, single men have a reputation for, like, oh, I bet you're just out there meeting girls all the time and just, you know, you're just a dog. Because that's just a perception of, of single men. Right. Um, But I try to limit that. Like, I try to, especially, you know, as I've gotten older, it's been over a decade now, 
I'm starting to like really pay attention to like, well, who do I want to be with? Who do I want to spend my time with? I also have a career now and not just a job. So I have a limited amount of time. Like I wake up in the morning and want to do what I do for a living. I've never experienced that before. <laughs> so it's definitely a good place have, to be, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to get there. So enough respect for well, you having that. Yeah. If you don't mind my saying us being on this podcast, sounds like you're getting there very quickly because you're doing it right now. As yeah, we speak, you know? that's, that's the goal. So, <laughs> yeah. So um, you're building that thing right now. Um, but you know, so there's that aspect of it. There's, you know, there's just the excitement of, Oh, I, I guess this might be the answer to your question. The interracial aspect is like my number one engine, like the dynamic of interracial in its many different forms is one of my biggest things. Like that keeps me coming back um, and different facets of that diamond as they present themselves to me, exploring them, learning about myself, you know, Mm -hmm. um, all of those things. I think that the psychological aspects of it, because there's no, there's very few people in this lifestyle or in BDSM, which you're very familiar with that are dumb people. Like you don't see dumb people um, in a dungeon usually. Like these are usually affluent people that are educated and are intelligent people that are into these particular kinks. And so I get to, I get to explore my, the, the psychology of like what turns me on about interracial and what that says about me. And it helps me with the catharsis of, you know, some of the racial aspects of our society and our history by turning it on its head. The thing that would make me angry is now maybe completely flipped. And now it's like, Oh, this is a turn on. And that is a very interesting thing to me. Um, it's it's kind of like, you hear comedians like Chris Rock or whatever. Those guys are making jokes about race and we're laughing, but you know it comes from pain. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, and so We've all I've never there. been a person. Yeah, and I've never been a person that was really, you know, pained about, you know, our racial history and stuff like that. It's not like it overwhelmed me, but I do know that, like, every black man in America, I'm aware of these things. And it's interesting how this interracial thing is a way of working through that. I find that fascinating. Now, let me, this is something I'm just kind of curious to, 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 to get your take on just because I know how I look at it. And that is from the time that I've, I've, I've gotten into this lifestyle. And like you said, it's predominantly interracial. Like 90% of the women that I've been involved with have been white women. I mean, you have your Asians, you have your Latins and every once in a while you meet a, a sister that's, that's real open-minded about it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's white women. And I've seen so much and I've been exposed to so much that it's to the point now where right, wrong or indifferent, I can't even look at white women the same. Like, like, Mm -hmm. like, like the moment I see a white woman, the first thought in my head is, what is she into? Because I've seen you and I'm sure you've seen it at your parties. You know, they they come in and, you know, they're not. They're not dressed in their slut gear yet. You know, she's got her jeans and her flats on and her glasses and her hair is in a ponytail or whatever. You know, she comes in with her husband, you know, straight, you know, soccer mom mode. And, then you know, she goes in the bathroom and changes, you know, and then she comes out and she's got the fishnet dress on or whatever in the heels. And you just sit there for several hours and you watch her do like the craziest shit. You know, she's getting DP'd mm-hmm. and she's taking two dicks in her pussy and she's taking facials mm-hmm. and, you know, 
guys are saying all kinds of stuff to her and she's responding and she's, you know, craving to be used like a slut and all of this stuff. And then the party is over and then she goes back in the bathroom and transforms again. And now she's got her hair in a ponytail again and her jeans in the flats and she leaves and goes and gets in her minivan. And you're sitting there like, wow, like I, I just saw this woman become a totally different person. You know what I'm saying? Sure. For a few hours. And then she just goes back to being, you know, regulars, you know, suburban, you know, mom with the kids and the dog and all that shit. So now, like, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, like, even on TV, like, when I see them, it's not that I'm sexualizing them, but I've seen so much that that's the first thought that goes to my head. Like, I see them, and I'm like, damn, I wonder if she's ever been DP'd before. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, yeah. No, no. You know what? And and I'll, I'm not going to speak for you, but I have the same uh, – these instincts that we are tapping into, is you can't turn them off when you go out into the real world. No, no, and, and I would go a step farther and, and, and unapologetically say I am sexualizing them. Now, am I going to sexualize them overtly? Am I going to treat them in a sexual manner, you know, a stranger and be like, you know, oh, I think you're a sex object. I'm going to approach you that way. No. But there's <laughs> when you're raised, you know, like I was religiously, there's a lot of religions that are like, listen, what you think you can't control, but what you act on, you can, you know? And so the thinking of it part, I'm, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Um, this the same stuff that you were just talking about. When I think it, I think it. I think the, the, the areas you get into trouble is if you start treating people like the, you know, the fantasy that just ran through your mind, that's not your place to do that right. until you get permission from that person or they show interest or whatever. But um, I agree with you, man. Like there's, it, we, we are tapped into um, our sexuality in a way that when we're out in the real world, even if it's just a fantasy or curiosity, we still think about those things. And I will go like the thing you just talked about, about the woman that shows up in her flats and then puts on the heels. That to me is pretty amazing as opposed to the woman that's always in the heels, you know? Right. Like that is a, a special kind of turn on. Um, and that I think adds to it that she is this quote unquote regular housewife or whatever yeah actually like the like for me what i call not to cut you off but i just wanted to mm -hmm. speak on this while you brought it up i talk about that a lot and like for me it's a turn on because it's that duality of their personality you know two people existing in the same body yeah you know like i tell yeah. women all the time like if i'm texting somebody or i'm talking to a wife or whatever and she's like oh well i'm at the park with my kids or i'm doing this with my kids or whatever like I'll be, I'm honest with him. I'm like, yo, that shit is like really turning me on. Like seeing you in mommy mode, knowing what you're yeah. into is exciting to me. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to the chick that, you know, is hot and sexy 24 seven. Like that's cool. I, I enjoy that too. You know, I'm not knocking her for that, but it's just something about those women who are, whether it's business mode or mommy mode, or wife mode as opposed to always being in, you know, cock hungry mode. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's the dichotomy. It's like, you know, 
I once had a dude tell me, he was like, because he heard about me and the lifestyle, and he was asking me questions. Like, a lot of people do that are vanilla, and they find out what you do. And I was explaining to him, and he was like, man, I'm telling you, man, it sounds to me like there's nothing sexier than another man's wife in a hotel room. And I was like, well put, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, and, and so, like, that's what he's talking about, though, like, the dichotomy of, you could have the same exact woman, literally the same person, and she's single, and it doesn't have that dynamic anymore. No. Nah. So that is that's the cool thing. Like you're nothing wrong with the, the single girl, and some guys would prefer the single girl to the married woman, and that's what makes the world. You know, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla because everybody likes different things. No, absolutely. But like, that thing you're talking about, where they have this other life, and then you are um, an instrument through which. They are catalyzing their fantasy life, or I would sometimes go so far as to say their real selves, the one that they can't show the rest of the world. Yeah. That's an honor. To me, it's like an honor to be a part of that. It's amazing. Now, I'm curious to get your, your, your take on this. I was actually talking to a couple about this last night. For me personally, like one of the things that I really enjoy about being with a married woman, especially when her husband is present, is whenever I'm with them, especially if I'm in their house, like, like, like being in their house really turbocharges this feeling that I have. But it's like, when I see them, I see their wedding day. I mean, like I, I see her in her gown. I see him mm-hmm. in his tux or his suit or whatever. I see all of their family and friends gathered in this place, whether it's a church or a hall or wh- wherever they got married. You know, mm-hmm. and, and he's standing there with her, you know, and he's professing, you know, they're professing their undying love to each other. And, you know, their family is sitting there and they're all swooning and happy and crying and, you know, all of that stuff, watching these two people embark on their lives. And yet here I am treating this woman like a five dollar prostitute. Like I'm just doing yeah. all kinds of and I, and I know that if you could take a picture of that moment. And send it out to all the people who were at their wedding, they would be mortified. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's like, I'm seeing her, like you said, I'm seeing the real her. Like, I'm not seeing the image that she's portraying to everybody. I'm seeing her, you know, at, you know, and him at their base level. Like, this is what gets them off. This is what makes his Mm -hmm. dick hard and her pussy wet. And, you know, especially, like I said, when you're in their home, and you're able to look around and you see all of these remnants of a life that they've built together, you know, family photos, vacation photos, you know, you know, souvenirs that they picked up on a trip to wherever, you know, and you're looking, kids, you know, yeah, the kids toys over there. In the yeah, corner, exactly. Like, you know, especially life, if it's, yeah. yeah, like, you know, I'm sure you've been, you know, like for me, you know, you, you know, the holidays roll around, you go to somebody's house at the holidays and, you know, you see the Christmas tree with the presents under it. And, yeah, yeah. you know, this yeah. is from aunt so-and-so and this is from cousin so-and-so. And, yeah. you know, I'm sitting there and you're on your knees by the Christmas tree choking on my dick. You know what I'm saying? Like bumping into these presents that people have sent you. And for me, like I get off on that. I mean, like, yeah, like, like yeah. when those two lives kind of, kind of clash like that. So it's cool yeah. to be able to talk to somebody that's, that's kind of on that, you know, on that yeah. same vibe. Uh, one of, say, okay, go ahead. Privilege is, no, I was just going to say, like, 
I agree with everything you said. It's a privilege. Like, you're there in their home at that time, and, you know, they have a lot of choices. And I just, I don't know, like, I'm, it's hard for me not to have gratitude, too. Like, uh, that's the fuel, that's the grease in my gears is gratitude. Um, and so, like, it's really, it, yes, it's sexy and it's, it's, a, it's a turn on, but I'm also like, you know, it's, it's amazing that you get to share that private side that really hardly anyone gets to see. You're one of the few people that gets to see that side of them. Everyone gets to see the public version. Um, but that's a privilege. I, I think that's, you know, just something to be thankful for. I like that. No, absolutely. Now, another thing, um, I see a lot of stuff online when, you know, I read a lot of forums and, and everything like that. And I'd be curious to get your take on this where there are guys who, who take offense or who it rubs them the wrong way, whether it's being referred to as a BBC or being referred to as a bull. And I would just be curious to get your take on those two terms. Like, do you feel like that demeans you? Do you own it? Are you cool with it? Like, how does that strike you when you hear those terms being used to describe you? Brother, I, I not only am cool with those terms, I'm cool with terms that are even farther than that. Like, when it comes to like, when it comes to like people's fantasies, like, you can, you can have a dynamic with me in a bedroom that I would not necessarily tolerate from you outside in the real world. And that's kind of the point. You know, BDSM, you, you have a woman on a St. Andrew's cross and you're hitting her with, um, a riding crop. You can't do that out in the street on Main Street in, you know, Iowa. That's for the closed doors. That's for behind the scenes. That's why it's hot, because I can't do this out in the real world. And also, I will go farther to say, you can't say that because I like BDSM and she enjoys, you know, being whipped, that that means that I'm a proponent of violence. Violence out in the real world is not cool. And, you know, I will march and protest against that. But uh, BDSM is not violence. That is a fantasy form of using pain and all and, and power that is enjoyable. So you know when I when I when I hear people say like, oh, I don't want you to you know call me a bull or whatever, I find that demeaning. First of all, I have no judgment. I'm like everybody has the right to say what they want and don't want to be called or whatever. That's you know that's that's cool, but. I do also feel like that person's scale is leaning towards the vanilla more where they don't get that this is a fantasy. And the last thing I'll say on that is like, I feed off my partner. There have been things that I never thought I would be into, but when I'm, my partner is really into it because I come from a place of giving and gratitude. I'm like, well, I will try that. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. But other times I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't realize I yeah. really enjoyed that. You gave me a gift. <laughs> yeah, like, you thank gave me you. a gift I'm going to take the rest of my life. I'm going to be able to know I like this. So I think that I'm I'm just more willing to, like, play with other people because, I mean, I asked them to do that for me, man. Like, I'll introduce women to things, and at first they're like, I'm not sure. And then they'll be like, oh, my God, I love this, you know. So that's my take on it anyway. So you're cool with, 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 like, neither one of those rubs you the wrong way. No, in fact, I lean into it. Like, I am a bull. 
You know, like I'm, I'm unapologetic, dude. I, I spent the first part of my life apologizing. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for being uh, the, the natural order of things, the, 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 the history of this country and the kind of men that they brought over to do the work and all of the advantages that that gives us both culturally and psychologically as well as physically that black men have. Right. I, I'm not going to, we, we had to hide it for so long because we would get, you know, <laughs> murdered literally. Yeah. Yeah. Or literally. putting it out there. I, I feel almost religious about the fact that, it's my obligation not to be scared. It's my obligation to lean into these things. Not obligation like I don't want to do it. Like, I enjoy it. But I just don't want to live in fear. I want to just enjoy things. And so if someone has, you know, a, a thing that they really are into where it's the, the bull and the, the dominance and all that, I'm I'm completely fine with it. But, again, I just want to stress, I'm not judging other people who aren't into it. The, this happens to fit into my personality and the things I enjoy. So it's easy for me to say I have no problem with it. But if some other guys do, like, you know what I've noticed? Like some guys from down south, um, they experience racism in a way that I never experienced on the East Coast. And so they're more sensitive about certain racial things I've noticed than I am. But I had the luxury of not being offended by some of these things because I didn't, I didn't have – somebody yelling out of a pickup truck at me every way every day on the way to school you know what i'm saying so i can play with these things and for them it's like that's not playtime. so i understand it i understand right. that their experience and their life has led them to this place and mine's led me to this place so you know there's room for everybody no doubt no doubt i mean i can i can you know having spent you know i'm born and raised in the northeast but i also you know, I spent a lot of time in D.C. and then I spent a lot of time in, in Atlanta. So I, I got to kind of experience, you know, d- different things, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I can totally relate, you know, to, to what you're talking to. And it's real. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely real. But one of the other things that I'd, I'd like to kind of ask you about, one of the things that I always say is, you know, I was very fortunate in this lifestyle and that in the very beginning, you know, when I was cutting my teeth in it, you know, I got hooked up with an older black Dom who was like on some real old school shit. You know, like I always give respect to the cats that were doing this like pre-internet, you know, the cats that had they, you know, boots on the ground and they were going to places and going to key parties and putting themselves out there and, you know, placing classified ads and reading classified yeah. ads and, you know, getting, you know, getting yeah. the ink of the newspaper <laughs> on their fingers, you know, and yeah, actually yeah. going to different places. So, yeah. you know, as a result, I'm all, and I'm sure you are too, because we've talked about this. I'm constantly getting contacted by younger dudes that are always trying to mine you for information. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, hey, how I see your pictures. I see how you stick and move. You know, how can I be involved with this? So I'm just kind of curious as to what your attitude is towards those younger guys that are seeking you out, whether they approach you in a wrong way or a right way. Just like what is your attitude in, in dealing with them? Like, how do you pick, you know, OK, I'll talk to this brother or I'm not going to waste my time with this dude. Like, how do you process that in your head? 
Yeah, you mean like in terms of like how much time am I going to spend mentoring? Well, I mean, like, not even how much time, like, have you ever done it? Like, even if it's just some email exchange or a phone conversation, you know, because I know oh, for me, yeah, yeah. you know, you get those guys that like, like, it's almost like they approach you like you're a pimp, you know, like, yo, <laughs> man, yo, can you teach me how to get these hoes? And can you teach me how to do that? Can you like, those are the dudes that I'm like, I don't even respond to because to me, your attitude is fucked up from the door. Like, yeah, I mean, if somebody comes at me with with a with a weird attitude, like what you just said, I, I probably, um, I you know, I I would I would limit the the interaction. Um, as you can tell, I brought up being positive and you know being thankful a lot. So sometimes I feel like those cats are just sometimes they're young, or they not maybe they're not young, but they're inexperienced, which is a, an equivalent. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't, like, if someone approaches me with that particular attitude, I may not interact with them. But a lot of times guys don't do that with me. I have a group, you know, so the four horsemen, um, we, part of what I do is, like, it's not just about me. It's about getting a group of guys together. So I have to have some level of interacting with guys, bringing in new guys from time to time teaching them, you know, I have to have the speech. I call it the speech that I've had a million times with these guys and I bring them into something. So, you know, I've gotten pretty good at like saying like, okay, I don't know what you've experienced before, but this is how this works. And this is why my group is successful and why we have a stellar reputation. If you want to be a part of that, this is the kind of the parameters that we've learned over time um, make for success. And they can choose to do that or not to do that. So, when I'm approached by guys, I try to do my best to just be open-minded, and I fully hear what you're saying. Sometimes when they treat you like, oh, man, you a pimp, it's like, you know, I, I try to find a nugget of, um, you know, what's in the size of that, which is a guy saying, hey, man, I want to be when I grow up. Can you teach me? <laughs> and, you know, some, sometimes they don't say it the right way, man. You're totally right. You are completely right. But I also try to just, like, say, like, okay, well, what can I do to help? But I don't have the time to, like, you know, mentor someone from the ground up. Um, I need guys to come to me relatively fully formed. And there's certain things I look for with my guys early on. And a lot of guys that don't have that, I just found they don't last. And so I've, over years, you know, you figure it out. Um, but the Four Horsemen thing has, has put me in a position where I'm probably doing a little more of that than maybe I would if I was just on my own. No doubt. Yeah. Now, actually, I I want to come back to that, but before I do, one of the things that I wanted to know because obviously this is a a big part of the lifestyle. How do you personally view the husbands of these wives? Um, I think you know you've said it many times. You know, I, I've heard you say it on your podcast, like. You you take these husbands out of the equation. If you think that you want to look down on these husbands and say, like, all oh, these cucks or, you know, if they're not cucks, just like, man, there's a lot of guys that I've come across that are black men that are single that do this, and they look at those guys like, man, I would never do that. What kind of man would, would let their wife do what she's doing with me? Um, I That kind of turns me off, you know, like just that attitude because – it betrays that you don't understand how this works. 
the husbands, and you've said this, I'm, I'm repeating something that, that you've said many times, the husbands are the catalyst and the ones bringing us in. White males are driving this. They're the ones putting the money into it. When you look at the top interracial website that's out right now, which I don't even have to name because it's like winning ABN awards every year, it's, uh, you know, a white guy who's making that. It's not a black dude. Right. Um, when, you, when you look at the, the, the best versions of these things or when you go on Twitter and you see the fuel, the pay pigs that are paying the girls that are coming to see us, those are all white males. So if you want to diss those dudes, you're biting a hand that feeds the lifestyle. And that's just foolishness to me. That, that, that's, uh, we were laughing before, like that's short-sighted. The same way that like bringing a bunch of long dick black slaves with a lot of muscles over to a country and keeping them away from your women for a few hundred years and then expecting them to stay apart. That was short-sighted. That plan did not work well. And that's why we're here. <laughs> I would, I would, I would warn black men, don't make that same mistake. Don't bite the hand that feeds you and think that's going to last. Cause that's just not the way the world works. You know, it's just no. not how it works. No, nah, not at all. So, I mean, we talk about all the, you know, all of the, 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 the good things and the fun things, but when you first started getting into this, what was the hardest part for you to adjust to? Like, what was the, like, okay, just to kind of, to set it up for me, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a seventies kid, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And in the seventies, you know, domestic violence wasn't viewed the same way that it is now, you know, and right. I was exposed to it, whether it was my own parents, whether it was uncles, whether it was cousins, whether it was friends or whatever. So for me, the hardest thing that I had to deal with getting into this lifestyle was seeing that I was turned on, whether it was by BDSM or turned on by treating a woman like a slut. You know what I'm saying? Like it, mm -hmm. it, it unnerved me at first because I was like, wow, is this how they started? You know, is this going to, is this going to turn me into like a, a wife beater? Like, because I like flogging a woman or paddling a woman or spanking a woman. Does that mean mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm going to all of a sudden want to go upside her head. Like I was, I was gen genuinely afraid that that was what mm -hmm. I was going to become. And mm -hmm. this is where for me, that mentor who I spoke about previously played such a big role because he helped me overcome that fear. He helped me understand that, nah, it's not like that. Like, you're not just, you know, walking up to a woman in Burger King and calling her a slut. You know what I'm saying? Like the, like the key mm -hmm. component in all of this is consent, you know? And for me, once I understood that, and like you said, I'm, I'm a lot like you in the sense that I want her to have a good time. I want her to have a good experience. So if a woman enjoys being treated like a slut, if a woman enjoys being treated like a sexual object, if I really want her to have a good time, then I'm going to treat her like the biggest slut walking the face of the earth. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like I'm going to make, I'm going to make yeah. her feel like the ultimate, you know, the ultimate fuck toy. But in the beginning, yeah. that was a struggle for me. So my question to you is when you first started dealing with this, what what were your obstacles that you had to overcome as far as reconciling this within yourself to basically give yourself permission to dive into it freely? Like what baggage did you have to deal with? 
Yeah, that's a really good question, man. And I think it probably is different for everyone. Like the stuff that you were just talking about, it came, I, I would assume, I, I'm no psychologist, but I would assume it came from concerns that you had. I think you even mentioned things that you saw. And then you're thinking, well, is this going to make me into that thing that I didn't like when I saw growing up? Right. Um, I, I had a relatively good childhood in terms of like, you know, both parents at home and they loved each other and I never saw them fighting and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm sure that influences me and the things that I was concerned about. But my surrogate for what you were concerned about would have been the religious thing. It was the, is this wrong? Is this fundamentally, um, you know, the, the, you know, the whole you, you burn in hell type of thing. That was my hurdle to get over, um, is, is stopping, stopping a mentality of this is what society, this is what my family, this is what the Bible, um, says I should do and just putting all that to the side, you don't have to throw it away. It's a part of you, but putting it to the side and saying, what do I want to do? Just, just that. And from that, giving yourself permission to explore that, take baby steps, big leaps, whatever you want, all of this other stuff comes from it. And I'm a firm believer now. I mean, the reason why I'm called pagan is because I am one. And I believe in the darkness as well as the light. There is no such thing as light unless there is the concept of darkness. I believe in the duality of people. Um, that's why I was saying before, when I go behind closed doors, I can get into some stuff that I would not do out in the light in the real world. But if I'm with a partner that enjoys some of the kinkier, darker aspects of things, I'm completely into it. And I have no, no apologies about it now where I would have had guilt and all these things before. So for me, it was putting away guilt and just giving myself permission to say, hey, um, what do you want to do? And then reconciling that with, you know, what do you think is right? Um, and I think that because I had that religious background, I really had it covered, man. Like the, the first part of my life was all about morality and this and that, and that's going to be who I am. A lot of the light in me, it comes from that, and I love it. I, I, I'm not in that religion anymore, but the foundation it gave me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give away for anything because it's, it's you know, it's, it's the balance. It's the light and the dark, and I've – I've I've always had the light and I've always been like aware of that, but now I've just changed where I'm like, but the darkness is good too. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that as long as you balance it. Yeah, learning learning to embrace it. You know, not yeah. not running from it, not being afraid of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and 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 just accepting it. Now, yeah, to speak on what we talked about a little bit before, as far as like the younger cats coming behind us. And when I say younger, I don't necessarily mean younger in age. Sometimes I'm talking about younger in mindset. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah. where do you see, because you see a lot, you know, you do your parties and, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you know, you got years into this. So you, you just mm -hmm. like me, you've seen a lot. Where do you see a lot of brothers taking missteps? Like where you just kind of look at him and you kind of shake your head like, dog, you're doing it wrong. Like where, where do you see oh, them yeah. getting in their own way? Um, there's a lot of things. Like for instance, let's say that uh, tonight I'm throwing a party and I got a new dude coming. And, you know, as I said, my, my brand is the four horsemen. And the reason why I put the number four in it is because I don't want people calling me when they want 12 horsemen or 15. 
that's not my thing. That thing I told you about when I first did it, when it was a bunch of guys, I was like, yeah, well, as soon as you keep adding people, exponentially the quality of the people goes down. Right. The bigger the party, the less of the quality happens. So I said, I'm going to keep my niche to the four horsemen. So I called it that for that reason. And also because it's, it's fun. Yeah. It sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, I mean, it, it's, it's in so many different things, you know, whether you're football or yeah. comic books or whatever, like, you know, everybody's right. heard of the four horsemen. So it, it's a dope yeah. name. So, it's a dope name. Yeah, and I just added the W, so it's not horsemen, it's horsemen. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, mad, um, I'm mad so, that I didn't come up with it, so you got that, you got that off. But <laughs> so, but it was interesting, like, if I did a party tonight and I had a new guy there, I guarantee you, dude, not nine times out of ten, not 99 out of 100, like 99 out of 1,000 guys do not have the basic wherewithal to say, hey, Pagan, what can I bring to the table? What can I do for you? Because I noticed that you're providing the women, you're providing the snacks, you're providing a hotel suite or your home or another person's home. You're doing everything, and all I have to do is show up with my dick and some condoms. And most guys do not even have the basic wherewithal to ask the question, what can I do? And that shocks me because I I come from gratitude. I also come from just the basic intelligence of knowing Things cost things. So that shocks me every time that they just think that – because here's the thing. You and me, we're not interested in these dudes. We're not interested in dick. It is, you're not – you being here is not helping me at all. No. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, what, what makes you think that I'm just going to provide and provide for you? Like, I'm not your bitch. Like, I'm not like some dude you can use. Act like I am a, you know, I am your contemporary. Act like you and I are, you know, at least on the same level so that, you know, you you can show me the very basic thing of like, hey, dude, can I bring some bottled water? I'm not yeah. asking for a lot. Yeah. I'm not asking for paper half the room. To put, it, to, say, like, to put it bluntly, <laughs> be, be fucking appreciative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you put it back. You put it back. So all I'm saying is like, that right there is like one of the biggest missteps I see is just having basic wherewithal. And that is why you and I are able to shine in the world. It's not because we're these stellar guys that came from outer space on a, you know, cloud. It's because we have just some basic understanding of things and we, we're able to rise to the top. I feel sorry a lot of times for women today and what they have to deal with in terms of men. When I see what I have to deal with, just me. Right. Um, trying to get, you know, quality men and bring them to the table. And so I have a, a really great group of guys that I've built over the years. I have guys that are, are nowhere near what, the, what I just described, but the percentage is extremely low. It's shocking because, you know, most people think, oh, if you've got women that are attractive and you're providing everything, you must have a ton of guys showing up Mm-mm. that are quality. No, not at all. <laughs> that, that, that that quality is hard to come by. It's hard to come you build by. It. Yeah, you build it over many, many months and years. And so, you know, that, that was a bit of a long-winded thing, but that's like my number one thing that I have found that the, it's, it's why you and I are you and I. Um, and so in some ways we should be thankful that there's not a bunch of guys out there that can do it like that. Um, I mean, it's but, kind of a um, it's, it's kind of a catch twenty two. Like like I said, I definitely feel what you're saying. Where their missteps allow cats like us to shine, but at the same time, 
I know that as a whole, it's not really elevating the lifestyle because you have a lot of couples. Like I can't fuck everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like no matter how much desire I have, I can't facilitate all of these couples. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of these couples are having bad experiences or they're dealing with dudes that don't quite, you know, measure up to what they're looking for. And, you know, they're suffering as a result of it. You know, they're dealing with these lame dudes. They're dealing with these dudes that just don't get it, you know, and it's like, yeah. the, you know, the last thing I want to see is a couple have a bad experience and say, OK, we're not going to do this anymore. That's why for me personally, I don't have a problem you know, like I get plenty of couples that hit me up like, yo, we're going to visit New York. Can you get a couple guys? Like, even if I can't make it, I just want them to have mm -hmm. a positive experience because that's going to keep them coming back. You know, like I like I I have a a lifestyle view. Like my view is not selfish. It's not about, OK, what can this couple do for me? It's what can I do for this couple to keep them coming back so that I might not be able to get with them this time. But who knows? I might be in their area a year from now. And because yeah. I have, you know, because I gave them a positive experience, you know, they're more than happy to open up their doors for me or her open up her legs for me. You know, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And you know what else, dude? And, you know, forgive me. Like, I, I'm not really apologizing, but I do realize that how much I bring up being a good person and gratitude. There's there's two versions of it. You You can want to be a good person because you want to go to heaven. Or you can want to be a good person because it's the right thing to do. You could be an atheist and just be like, no, being a good person is just the right thing to do in the world. I'm not trying to go to heaven. I don't believe in it. So there's a version of things where if you're just selfish, let's say you're just a selfish person, you would do the right thing just because it's going to come back and be a good thing for you. But I don't even at this, I've learned to not even approach it that way. I just put out positive energy. I just connect people. I just try to put out good things that I would want people to do for me. And I have to say, dude, I have lived a very uniquely privileged life, and I do not attribute it to anything else but that. Right. Just just putting out positivity in the world. It's karma. Yeah. It's you reap what you sow. It's you know, it's in, it's in every religion around the world. It's in every philosophy. And so if you apply that to the lifestyle like you have clearly, and that's why you've built your your empire and, and, and I have done it and it's just reaped so many rewards. But I'm trying not to look at the rewards and just do it because it's a good thing to do. Right, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So to piggyback on that, if you if you okay, there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast and there are a lot of you know, a lot of bulls that are trying to get into it. So what would be your sage advice to them as far as, Hey, I mean, you, you've touched on it, you know, a bit in this, but if you could kind of summarize and say, okay, this is what I would say to the new dudes just getting into this. Like, what would you say to those guys? Like do this, don't do that. Like, I'm not trying to have you list everything, but just kind of, mm -hmm. In a nutshell, like, what should they be looking for? How should they be thinking about all of this? Um, you know, like, this, I guess, is, is an offshoot of what we just were talking about. Um, treating people the way you want to be treated is like a, it's the golden rule, you know? It's the, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Um, a few thousand years before the Sermon on the Mount, like 2,000 maybe, 
uh, Confucius said, don't treat other people the way you don't want to be treated. Um, it's a very similar philosophy. It's just in the negative. Um, just that principle alone, like that thing that I was just complaining about ad nauseum, <laughs> where guys show up and just don't don't think to like offer anything, they're not doing that. They're not treating me the way that they want to be treated. They wouldn't want that to happen. So if they took five seconds to think, they wouldn't do that. They would say, hey, what can I offer? Because that's what I would want. So if I was to encapsulate it in one thing, I think it's that. And I think that that would also bleed over into when you're meeting couples, it's not about you. You are there to augment their life and make it better. You are there for the moment after you leave. Right. You're there for when they get together and like, oh, my God, that was so hot. And they have the best sex of the month or the year frankly. So if you know your role, you know the position you're in, it's not about you. You are getting a great benefit. You're having a blast. You're getting to do stuff that nine, you know, 99% of other men don't ever get to do. You're getting a lot of stuff, but don't let that trick you into thinking it's about you. You are there to be the third party that is augmenting their relationship. And if that bothers you, if that's not what you're into, this might not be for you, you know? If you have to make it about you, then that level of selfishness, that's going to hurt you in every relationship you have, but definitely in his lifestyle. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you, you touched on this before as far as saying that, you know, it was it was your fuel. So, like, I know with me, when I first got into it, even though my first experience was with, with a, you know, a white woman and a white couple, I didn't fully understand the gravity of just how much these women are or some of these women are into black men. And when I started to realize that, you know, and and understanding the power that was there, it was eye opening. I mean, like it was life changing. So for right. you, like. I'm sure you didn't see it in the first because you had nothing to compare and contrast it to. It was like, okay, this is the first experience. This woman wants to fuck a lot of dudes. I'm one of the dudes, so let's make it happen. So when did it happen for you where you started to understand and realize that this is more than just sex? Like what these women feel towards me as a black man is on a completely different level. Like how did that hit you when you first started to realize that? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Like, I'm not sure exactly when that hit me, but I will say this: you know, you talked about, you know, being like being born in the '70s. Like, I was born in the '70s. A bigger part of my childhood was in the '80s. Um, but we grew up in a time where race was a thing. You know, like race mattered, and the way that black men and white women interact today was not the way it was when, when we had our formative years. So when I get to the point where I'm doing this lifestyle, um, my, my views on the taboos of things and the kink of it and the crossing the lines and what that is, is formed by my childhood in the era I grew up in. I think that a, a, a black uh, kid that grows up, 
20 years from now, or even right now, they are literally beginning to be the actual post-racial people Mm -hmm. where if you've got a white girlfriend or you're Asian and your boyfriend is, you know, um, you know, Swedish or whatever, no one cares. Like these kids, young kids today don't care when they get older. I'm, I'm seriously wondering if there's going to be a few people who have, you know, this racial aspect to, you know, interracial is a thing. It's a kink for them. But I feel like it's going to be a lot less because the world is just progressing in terms of that. It is never going to be gone because I think that as long as there's racism, which I think is, you know, my philosophy is that's just a part of uh, human nature. Right. The, tr- the tribal nature that we have. Um, figuring out who is the other and saying you're not, you're not as good as me is part of who we are. And, and, and I hope we get over it. But I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Um, but I think that that has already – I see young kids today, and they just don't care about race a lot more than when we grew up. We knew at seven years old, if you were with a white girl, that's a thing. Right. Like, you, you just – it was permeating the culture. You, you didn't have advertisements with interracial people in it. It wasn't a Cheerios commercial with an interracial family with biracial daughter. We didn't have that. So it was in our face every day. I, I actually like interracial um, – you know, lifestyle activities. So I kind of like the fact that it's, a, it's something for me, um, to be honest with you. You know, that might be wrong in some people's eyes or whatever. It was just the way I was raised and the era I was raised in, and now it informs the things that I find sexy and the kinks that I have. But I think that as time goes on, you know, we may not have that in future generations, at least not as much. There's going to always be things that influence people to, to think about race in a kinky way or as a taboo. But let's face it, it's not as much as a taboo today as it was even 15 years ago. Right. No, um, it, it, no, you, there, 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 there have definitely been, you know, there have definitely been some changes for sure. And it's still there. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you know, and it's, Oh, it's still there. It's still there. It'll always be there. I think. And, you know, I think that when to, to more pointedly answer your question though, like, when I started interacting with white females, I started realizing pretty quickly, like, oh, there is a fervor that they all have. There is um, a primal instinct that comes out of them with some of them, with black men, that they just don't give to anybody else. And that, you know, you talked, you asked me earlier about, like, what's your favorite thing? Like, when I said interracial is my favorite thing, is that, is that I almost feel with a religious fanaticism that that dynamic between specifically a black male and a white female has created a dynamic that I, it, it's it's unparalleled. Yeah, and no, I, 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 even, I say I, I say that often. Like it 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 it's something that doesn't exist, you know, because interracial is basically interracial. Like you know, I tell people all the time, interracial is not just black men, white women. Like interracial is basically, you know, two people from a different race. It can be anything, but. Mm-hmm. Within that, within that sphere, there are very few, if any, that match the intensity of, you know, of a black man and a white woman for whatever reason, you know, and there are people that, you know, could give you, you know, people far more educated than I am that could go back and give you, you know, a list of reasons, you know, as to why that's like that. But all I know is that 
it's strong as hell. It is, it, you know, like when you see how these women respond to us, like it's almost like having an out of body re- experience where, you know, you have this woman in front of you and it's like, damn, like I could do whatever I want with this woman, like things that she doesn't even want, let her husband yeah. do, you and know. If, and if you if you were anything but a black man, she wouldn't. Yeah. You know, and I'm cool so, with that. Like, I like that. I'm freaky enough to where that shit doesn't bother me. But it still trips me out sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even, you know, I'm 17 years in to this, and it still trips me out. You know, the situations that I find myself in and the way that these women, you know, respond to me. And that's why one of the things that always kind of cracks me up about this lifestyle is when I meet dudes, you know, because, you know, I've said it in, in other episodes. And when I go to parties, people know that, you know, I have a slave. So, mm-hmm. you know, dudes are always approaching me like, yo, I want to sub. You know, can you help me find one? I can't find one. And my response is always, if I got to help you, if I got to show you where to find them, then you're not ready to have one. Because personally, I can't throw a rock without hitting one. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, like if right. you do anything interracially, how you cannot come across a submissive female or a female with submissive energy, then my thing is you don't know what the hell you're doing because I see them everywhere. Yeah, you know what and you know what's crazy about it? Like the the very people who hated it and were trying to stop it are the ones that created it in many ways. Like I was reading about black soldiers in Vietnam, and a lot of the white soldiers would tell the Vietnamese women. Some of them were you know, prostitutes, other was just local women. Right. They would tell them that the, the black men had tails. And these Vietnamese women had never seen a black man before, ever. And so they believed it a lot of times. They were like, oh, they, they have a tail. They're not humans, you know, and to, to try to scare them. And right. white men have been doing that forever. They've been saying like, oh, you know, we brought these slaves over and they might – it might look like they're tempting, but trust me, they're animals, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be violent. They're all stuff. But all of those seeds that they planted about the dominant animal nature of black men, that is fueling a lot yeah. of times the kink and the and the curiosity and the the submissiveness that they just will they will fall to their knees in front of you because there's these perceptions that the people that were trying to stop this put out there. So it's just, it's a very ironic that that happened. It's funny that you bring that up, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but it's something to give people an opportunity to kind of look into something. You know, I'm I'm a real big history channel, discovery channel buff. And one of the things that tripped me out to learn, and I'm not going to really go into detail about it, but for anyone who's interested just do research on the history of cocaine, like and understand where it came from, the way that it was perceived, the way that, you know, doctors would prescribe it. It was touted as this miracle drug and it would mm-hmm. cure all, you know, they, they saw it as curing all of these different ailments. Research and find out what was the camel, I'm sorry, what was the straw that broke the camel's back as far as what made them make it illegal. Like there's an interracial component to it that made them say, oh, we got this. We, we can't have this. And it, it, mm-hmm. dealt, it dealt with black men and white women and how they responded and reacted to one another. Yeah. You know, like like it's, 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 it's trippy to find out that 
that was the thing that made them make it illegal, you know, because it, it hasn't always been illegal. Dude, Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. Yeah, everything. Coca-Cola. Yo, at that time, everything <laughs> had cocaine in it. You know, all these yeah. tonics and, you know, doctors were like, hey, this person was depressed, so I prescribed them some cocaine, and all of a sudden they were happy. Like, it was like a miracle. It was like a miracle drug. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, you read Sir, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who created Sherlock Holmes. Like, Sherlock Holmes was sniffing cocaine all the time. I believe he had a vial around his neck. Like, <laughs> It, it was part of like medicine. Back yeah, then. they didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't frowned upon at all. You know. But you know, another thing that you said that made me think, like you were saying, like the interracial dynamic. A lot of different things are interracial. If you have an Eskimo dude and you have um, a, uh, a a British chick, uh, that's interracial, right? Um, there's two different races. Right. But absolutely. It, it, if you say the word interracial. 99 times out of 100, only one thing comes to mind. Black man, white female. Right. Why is that? Why, why isn't it, why isn't it just as diverse as all the races? Because there's a dynamic there that catches people's attention. People that hate it, they think of that, and people that love it think of that. That's how powerful it is. Yeah, it's so on both sides. 100%. Yeah, that's the true test. If you say the word interracial and you did a poll, see what people think that interracial is. And, it's, a lot of times it's been influenced by this dynamic because it's, it's potent. It's it's something that is undeniable. You know? yeah, I there, agree with you. No, there's, there's, there's definitely power into it. Now, yeah. one thing I can say, anybody listening to this, I'm sure you could tell that me and Pete could talk about this shit forever. You know what I'm saying? But I understand <laughs> that people have a, a, a limited time, so... I'm going to go ahead and... and, I I think we already may have talked forever. I think it's officially forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've we've officially crossed that threshold, you know. But I definitely would have you back because there are a lot of different things that I didn't get to touch on that I would like to touch on. But I understand that, you know, people have a limited time when they listen to these episodes and I don't want to get, you know, too long-winded. And I'm fully aware that I can be very long-winded. So... No, I mean... I, and I appreciate it, man. Like, first of all, just if, if we weren't recording this, this conversation is something I appreciate. Whenever I talk to you, not only am I able to get things off of my chest that I'm, you know, talking about, but you're a sounding board that's unique to me, and I'm able to learn from you. And there's very few guys. I'm usually the teacher. Right. And so I get to learn from you, and I get to bounce ideas off you, get new perspectives. And, you know, you have a, a presence online, and I'm on Twitter and stuff, you know, at the Four Horsemen. And if people want to continue the conversations like this, we're available. You can get to us, you know. No, I'm definitely um, going to put your link so, with the episode. So people, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I will give people a way to, you know, to get in touch with you. And just to let anybody know if you're, you know, because you're, you're in a situation a lot like me. Like New York City is a destination city. So there are people that are visiting New York for a variety of reasons, whether it's family, mm-hmm. business, tourism, whatever. And they want to have mm-hmm. some fun while they're here. So they get in touch with me. So I want to make sure people know that. You know, you're the same thing in, in L.A. You know, L.A. is a destination city. So man, if you're in L.A. or you find yourself in that area, look my man P up. You know, yeah. like he'll, a, ta- he'll take a, care of you and he'll show you a good time. And you don't have to, you know, if you're a couple looking for some fun, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of trying to find somebody and wondering if they're going to be a good fit. And just just hit just hit my man P up. 
and he'll take care, he'll take he'll take care of everything. He'll make sure you have a great time. Where and all likewise. you right, all you have to do is show up. Yeah, likewise, man. I've already I've already connected people that I know from out here with you, and they've had amazing experiences. So that that's one of the good things about this. Like it's a brotherhood, and Absolutely. as long as we share and we build with each other, I mean, I think it just grows and gets better and better, man. But Yo, man, thank you for the opportunity. This was awesome. Um, I, I've, I've, I've never really had someone that I could chop it up with like, like this. And the fact that it's able to go out to other people and we can have other connections, that's just icing. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, man. You've been a, a, a terrific guest. Hopefully people have been enlightened by this. Hopefully they enjoyed what they heard. You know, I'm sure that there's some people who are looking for the more salacious kind of details. And don't worry, that's going to come. You know, but that's for a future, that's for a future episode. You know, I just wanted them to hear, you know, two educated and intelligent brothers talking about this lifestyle in a very real and, and frank sense. You know, like that's like first and foremost, that's what I'm all about. That's what the Keys and Anchors podcast is all about is about being real about everything, not being afraid to talk about things and giving people insight into the way that various people think about this lifestyle and seeing it as something that's real and that can be enjoyed, but also understanding that, you know, there's a certain level of common sense that comes with it. Exactly. And I'm exactly. never, I'm, my thing is I'm never going to dumb myself down for anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like if you listen to this and you think that it's boring because we're not talking about ass, titty and pussy, then that's on you. That's cool. Everybody's not going to gravitate towards this, but hopefully the people that are becoming faithful listeners, the people that, you know, are eagerly anticipating episodes as they come out, hopefully they'll enjoy this kind of behind the curtain look at two bulls just kicking it. I'm saying two, you know, two bulls just chopping it up, talking about the lifestyle, talking about our experiences, talking about what we like, what we don't like. And, you know, hopefully there'll be some, you know, I mean, some younger brothers out there who listen to it and be like, you know what? I like what these two cats have going on. And this sounds like yeah. something that I want to be a part of. So, again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this. You know, it's getting bigger. It's growing. You know, more and more people are listening. And, you know, I definitely want to have you back. You know what I'm saying? So it's an honor, man. I appreciate it. Here, here to everything you just said. And, um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll chop it up again and we'll, we'll do have a whole other dynamic, but this was a really great topic to just kind of get into, like you said, two cats like us chopping it up about some of the aspects of things that people don't know about. And then we'll explore other stuff next time, but thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So thank you all for joining me on another episode of the keys and anklets podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michael C. And, you know, stay tuned for the next one. It's been real. I appreciate it.